so with the new mic setup and the cam setup. seems to run pretty good this time so like I said we will see we're gonna talk about this guy right here so I'm gonna go down I'm gonna, and I've already been I, I did three I was at the Western Chip were you Western Chip last year last year yeah. and me oh I was there that's right yeah, I could. How'd you do? Um, uh, for meat, I uh, finished like, I don't know, like fifth or something. Did you like make that. the cut? No, for nationals, no. This year, though, I did. You did? We fished Havasu this year for regionals already. Uh -huh. We already did regionals in February this year. Oh. And so right. I'll be at nationals. Okay. Yeah, we went down. My name is D.L. Stiffarm and I am your host on the H2O podcast. Okay, so I'm still in it. Still, yeah. still in it to move on to the third day cut. So I just got to make up for it today. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Um, I would say this is our sixth podcast. Um, in this season and it's the first season so uh, like i said earlier I, i'm surprised i didn't start a podcast earlier um i hope you all are checking out the video logs on white clay films on youtube because i when i packaged these originally when i packaged these podcasts i was just rolling them out in order to combine what i was doing on youtube and utilizing the media channel of podcasts, which I think are getting more popular. Uh, I was traveling with a guy to a tournament recently who tried to tell me podcasts were like, you know, 1990s. Um, and maybe they are, maybe, maybe I'm just talking to myself. Um, but, uh, you know, now that I've got the podcast going, I'm realizing that combining the footage that I have at the tournaments along with the podcast, uh, really is a great way to um, tell the story and to get the message out there. That guy you just saw on the water was Steve Lund. And I'm going to tell you about Steve when we get into the middle of the podcast because I want to talk about day two and what happened out there. And uh, Steve is a, first of all, I want to let you know that I have a, a, a authentic and uh, true respect for Steve. Steve is a former Marine. Um, I don't know if you're ever really former. Uh, Steve is a Marine. <laughs> Uh, he's discharged and uh, is now a competitive bass fisherman. And uh, he lives down in Arizona, the land of the sun. I used to live there myself out in uh, Phoenix on 75th Street and Scottsdale. Those of you guys who live down there, that's a uh, fashion square. I lived uh, near a, a, a club 
called Axis and Radius. It's probably not there anymore. Um, I have had a lot of experience in Arizona. In fact, when I used to, when I got out of college, I took um, a job down there. And one of the greatest things was you could literally fish all winter long. I would go out to Lake Pleasant or up to Saguaro or Canyon. And you could put in money and be as a non-boater on the back of boats. They were looking for non-boaters all the time. Lake Pleasant every weekend, I think it was, it must seem like it. Um, uh, back in those days, the internet wasn't super strong, so they weren't posting at tournaments everywhere. Um, you literally had to just know somebody and go out there. And the guys that were in the tournaments out there were literally, I mean, they were guys that, that went up into some of the pro leagues. So. Steve lives down there in Phoenix, and uh, Steve is a very successful individual in that region. In fact, in the Western United States, uh, Steve, <clears throat> excuse me, Steve is known. I had guys from Montana tell me multiple stories about Steve, and uh, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the truth about what happened, like I always do. You know, before, as I said, by being as authentic and as very, very honest and truthful as I can be, allows me to have a confidence in not only what I'm talking about, but in what is happening. What is happening right now. Because when I left, before I left for Shreveport and the tournament, I was not in balance. I think sometimes not being on the water um, or perhaps um, putting myself in situations where I have to do uh, other things that society and communities and populations and Every tribes and governments and nations and everybody tries to get involved in. A lot of people call it life or some level of existence. It's very narrow. It's defined by people that were here before I got here before any of us got here. And there are those who have tried to, I guess, convince me or provide me with some level of, I don't know, I guess we call it philosophy, magic, theor theories, concepts, beliefs, ideas. They're all just something in the mind. And they're not important. They're phenomenal. There's no way to verify or know these things. You know this. The mind gets involved very quickly when I bring up this subject. Wants to argue. Wants to tell you that me, the messenger, is somehow the, the bad guy. And that the message is convoluted. Perhaps it is. I'm here to talk about confidence. 
truth. I'm about here to talk about how we find happiness. When I left for Shreveport, I was unbalanced because there were things happening around me that I could not possibly see or understand. When you're bass fishing and you go out on the water and you're on a massive lake, say one of the Great Lakes, there is so much going on as far as the fishing, the weather, the water, the other competitors, the mother nature's natural activities, that it's impossible to know what is gonna happen. That is why we fish bass tournaments. Because those who compete have a very strong confidence that what is gonna happen in the next moment cannot be predicted. It can be conceptually understood that the next moment will provide the opportunity to catch a fish and maybe a large one, which will then provide information to catch the next fish, will then provide information to continue to move forward. There's so many layers of deception that are going on quite often with people that the real authentic them, you never get to meet it. When you do meet that person, it's only for a short moment. And you wonder what all the personalities and the searching for trying to make themselves happy by the things they do, the travel and destinations they've been to, who they meet, who they marry, what kind of job they have, how many tournaments they won. They will tell you that these things will bring them happiness, confidence. It's only justification. And it limits the life's experience. person begins to suffer in the question of their own unsuccessful choices and then it's everyone else's fault. So that got me off of balance and I want to thank Steve Lund, <laughs> Chris Fiore, Michael Dean, Jason Crone. I want to thank you guys for getting me back in balance because that was what we're going to talk about today. There were forces that were happening when I got to Shreveport that were beyond my control. I mean, literally beyond, uh, I, I can't even explain to you the level of activities that rolled into place. Alan, so he's gonna pull up, we'll load up our stuff, and we'll be ready to go. 6.30 start, gotta go to pool three, pool three. And as I said in the last podcast, I fished hard on the first day and being with Chris Fiore gave me a chance to not only put myself in first place in the Northwest Division, it gave me a chance to fish for a chance to go to the All-American. 
crazy. It's, it's so fun to fish with a guy who knows what the fuck he's doing. Anyways, <laughs> I like, I like that. I told you before I hadn't caught any. I was like, this is so much fun. Then I'm caught any. It's like, can turn into the best day fucking ever. <laughs> to the All-American. And uh, that tournament, like I said, is something that, uh, you know, I've dreamt of since I was a kid. I mean, and, and when I say kid, I mean college and after college. When you're 20 years old, when you're 30 years old, listen, when you're at whatever age you are, if I'm myself, if I'm not behaving in a way that is authentic and mature and trying to, you know, if I'm running around waving my arms, telling a story, trying to get attention, I'm a kid. But when I was younger, I was really a kid. I was in my 20s and I looked at the All-American and I was like, there's no way to get to that tournament. You gotta win too many in a row. And I mean, against so many guys that are good, these grassroots anglers from everywhere. One, Chris Fiore, and rightly so, ran about 10, 15 minutes and got us into a backwater where we both probably got about two limits out of there that day. Um, but Steve had done his limits and had caught in fish and didn't have a lot of competition running down to pool four. And I don't actually know the name of the pond that we were in. It's way down there. Those of you guys who fish the Red River or who live down in Shreveport, you'll know the name of this place. Um, it was pretty popular. We were, I was in there in practice a couple times and we saw local guys fishing back there and crawdad and everything else. There were gators back there. A lot of gators back there, I guess, in practice. When I was back there, I didn't see as many. And I wonder if that didn't change because when me and Steve went down in there on day two, um, the fishing was very challenging. Now, the fish were in there. You had to move really slow. There was a, a young man in there from Connecticut. I'll get his name, but he was in there uh, fishing fairly slow around us. And he finished out, uh, fished out a limit in there on day two as well. Um, I got a couple bites, but Steve, is one of those boaters that is focused on the front of the boat. I had heard from guys that had fished with Steve that Steve is a very competitive fisherman. And by that I mean that he is willing to drive himself to exactly what he wants to do no matter what in tournaments. At times, non-boaters, uh, they have the benefit often of getting in a, in a boat with a guy who is fairly comfortable with allowing the non-boater to fish a lot of water. Um, sometimes the front of the boat guys, they just miss a lot of this stuff. And if you've ever fished for bass that are held up tight in some of these southern waters, um, you gotta hit multiple angles to get them to bite at times. Um, when they're coming up to spawn and they're protecting or they're chasing bluegills or other fish out of their beds, they'll, they'll all be aggressive with, you know, chatterbaits and spinnerbaits and beavers and lots of stuff like that. But when they're moving around up and down, trying to figure out where to find a bed and then spawn, um, at times they can be fairly challenging to catch because they're not really biting the bait. At times they're only moving it. At other times, they are not interested in the bait at all because they're looking for 
um, other fish to spawn with. And, uh, and I, I think you're in the same position as a lot of other guys. I mean, uh, you're definitely, you've got a chance to get to day three just the same as the guy that's one pound ahead of you. This yeah. is gonna, this is gonna all change today. I, I, need, the, I need those bigger fish to move up. Yeah, exactly. And, and or I need to figure them out. I need to, if they don't move up, I need to go out and figure, find them. Yeah. And they're, they're not in there. Uh, that one guy caught one in there yesterday. Those females and stuff. But I think that's the, I think the rest of them caught were all males. Yeah. Me and Steve were back in there that day. Um, Steve really slowed down. And at the first, luckily, I went ahead and threw a buzz bait and I got two fish off the top first thing in the morning. And that helped me kind of get myself to five pounds because one of them was at four pounds at least. Um, and I caught that one in front of Steve. And I can tell you right now, Steve, I know that was a little sh shocking to you. One thing I, I know, Steve, it was in a section that Steve probably thought he would have cast to, um, but he selected the other side of the shoreline when we went into this backwater. And so I, which I'm usually in the front of the boat, so I know what's going on. I see him miss this section under a tree, which is really, it looked like a perfect section for holding a bedding fish. And so I whipped that uh, buzz bait under, up, up kind of a midway to the boat, but under the tree on the other shoreline. So either one of us could have got to that cast. Um, when I pulled that buzz bait out of there, I got that four pounder to hit and I got into the boat pretty quickly and into the live well. Steve actually said, uh, that can get into a boater's head, you know, and he just kind of laughed and smiled. And I was like, yeah. But Steve definitely slowed down after that and it made it a little bit challenging for me to get more fish in there that day. So we poked around quite a bit in four and then Steve said, well, let's run up to five, pool five, um, and fish it a little bit because we're gonna have to catch the lock anyway. So we bump all the way back out of this backwater and have to, you know, basically take his equipment through a, 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 a bumper field. I don't know how these guys got through this with their equipment, and a lot of guys didn't. Trolling motors, lower units, I mean, hulls. I've never, ever seen where you drive through these ponds across cypress stumps and there are hundreds and hundreds and these you realize the durability first of all a lot of these bass boats i'm going to say that right now the bass boats that were there i didn't inspect all of them but i know a lot of them even though those cypress are pretty you know waterlogged it's still bouncing those things through there off of solid objects makes you cringe when you hear that fiberglass you know, uh, bounce up against those things. Um, but Steve bounced us out of there just like he bounced us back in there. And once we got out, we had to cruise up, get to the lock. Now the lock's gonna be going at about 1.30. If you're not there by 1.30, that lock door is gonna close and uh, you're gonna be waiting maybe a half hour or longer, depending on if, if another boat's coming in the other side. Uh, to get through that lock. So it was critical. We got up there at 1.30. Uh, Steve 
busted his ass along the river there and you can see it's pretty beautiful. And as he did, he got us right up to that lock just in time and we locked in there with a lot of guys. It's interesting, when we locked out in the morning, guys were pretty positive and, and, and you know, and chatty and stuff like that. When we locked back up, the guys that didn't do well, uh, you could see they were kind of, you know, pissy. That's just how guys are. I had only caught in two fish myself, but I, I, I'm like, look, man, I, I, you got to keep fishing. <laughs> you got to keep fishing. So that's what I did. Hold on. I'm going to check this camera. So as we sat in the lock, you know, I kind of was thinking, uh, you know, about how much weight I had and what the guys had the day before. The closest guys in the Northwest um, from day one were still about five pounds behind me but anybody can in that river a five pounder you can catch that in one fish and be caught right back up so i had no idea if i could make it with that weight and me and steve still had a little bit of time we are in here now all the way down here south of shreveport louisiana i got two steve's got three i got the same weight Need one more fish, I think I can lock it in. A little nervous, but we'll see. Guy'd have to catch right now at least 10 pounds to tie me. The second place guy, the third, any of the other guys have to catch 13 or 15 as a non-boater. Which you never know. You guys, they do that shit, right? We got up into the lock and the guys headed out and we headed into a pool just below um, No Dredge and Steve got another one in there and that allowed him to kind of come on with a pretty good limit. I was I was thinking, you know, that Steve, uh, as challenging of a morning as we had running all the way down there, um, he, he put together a pretty good limit. Now, I'm gonna tell you, Steve, the mistake you made. Um, and I say this because I would not have done what you did. Um, as soon as I had seen the water when I got to Louisiana in Shreveport, I got a chance to run with Chermoa um, uh, of Clutchmaster. He works in Clutchmaster, Missoula, and Clutchmaster actually um, put in uh, a little bit of sponsorship funds for Chur to go down and fish this thing. So I want to do a shout out to Clutchmaster uh, down there in Missoula. Those of you guys. I had a chance to really look around Shreveport and to look at the water. I mean, really, really thoroughly. Um, the water was warm everywhere, but if once you got in the back of any of those lakes, it was kind of the same temperature. And so the fish were coming up everywhere. Now, those guys that ran down to pool four were making, were taking anywhere from two and a half to three hours out of their fishing time to get down to this pool. And once you got down to that pool, there was no guarantee the fish were gonna be any better than they were anywhere else. And there were about four or five backwaters in pool five, right near the launch that you could be fishing within 15 minutes. On the boater side, tomorrow the top prize is the $125,000 prize. Now, we're going to send you the All-American. We're going to pay off that for Any questions for me? The only other thing I will talk to you about, and Randy will too, uh, tomorrow, 
we are adamant on final day that you do not talk. So if you consider what's happening, the guys that went to like the winner of the tournament, Mike Morris from Delaware, uh, Mike stayed right there close to home all three days and put together a really good limit. Uh, Mike won a $135,000 prize package at the tournament, which included a boat, living the dream package, his opportunity to go and fish at the BFL All-American, as well as um, a really nice cash paycheck. Um, Mike did a tremendous job. It's so interesting, when Mike uh, went on stage at the end to accept the award, he said that he told his wife he just didn't want to embarrass himself when he went down there. I mean, if you want to understand what I'm talking about in the level of, 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 of quality individual these guys are, it's not just something that I'm exaggerating about. I mean, they're just, like, I, even me, I'm like, these guys are such great guys. Like, I, I'm like, how do I live up to their standards, you know? They, they really are tremendous individuals. And so it, it, it helps you look at yourself and reflect uh, at those times uh, how humble you are about what's happening in your world. Uh, you know, they were putting up some pretty good weights on that day too. The temperature was rising, they'd figured stuff out. All of these guys get better each day as they go along. It's the way they've been successful. Every really solid, successful, consistent, competitive bass fisherman I have ever seen gets better on day two, <laughs> and likely on day three. But if things stay consistent, these guys get better every day, and they did. On day two, they brought in a lot of big fish. Um, I've always been amazed at the amount of energy that these guys can go to put in to, to get to where they're at. Um, the um, weigh-in itself, was kind of, I think, tense. A lot of guys were realizing that they were going to not make the cut. Uh, some guys had realized as soon as they were coming in that day that they were not gonna make the cut and they had traveled quite a ways, fished an entire season, maybe two, to get to that spot. Now. I'm not suggesting that everybody there is focused solely on trying to win their division and get to the All-American. I think they all believe that at some level. I think most, if, if not, they shouldn't be there. <laughs> they shouldn't be there. They're there because they're not living on what they want to happen. They're living there because they want to see what happens in life naturally. I've been amazed at how much energy people put into chasing things in life down that aren't important. You know, tracking down something that won't last, a relationship, a job, a position, you know. Trying to find some guarantee that will 
bring you something or achieve something or give you some attention or get you some, you know, dopamine to your brain. And when you get what you were trying to get, we all have done this. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. I guarantee it turns out different than you thought. Like all projections in life, it is only there to teach us about ourselves. And we can get confused, upset, uh, excited, whatever. But whatever's happening, whatever you get yourself into, whatever it is, it's gonna change. It's gonna end. It's gonna perish. That's where we're at. You know that. We all know this. But we put energies into trying to get something that we think is gonna help us be something that we're really not. And when you see these guys walk up to the stage and they put their energies behind something that is a truth in themselves. Honestly, I cannot think about living around people or life that is not truthful any longer. I can't imagine not pursuing life honestly with myself first. And that honesty means that I'm going to pursue the things that I trust. I'm going to treat people with respect and dignity because that is what is the truth inside of me. I am going to conduct myself on the water and off the water and wherever with integrity because I have learned by living around guys who are living in truth. I have learned that conducting myself with a high level of honesty with myself first, if I'm lying to myself, I'll lie to you. And everybody does it because they think they have to and they just want to. But when you're around individuals who respect the truth inside of themselves and pursue fishing because they believe in it, not because they've been told or read it or anything like that, inside of them they know that there is a truth and an energy, a natural life force, that everything on the water is in balance. The lake is not hosting them. The lake isn't resentful for their presence. The lake isn't wishing that they had another boater on top of it or any of that stuff. Everything is in balance. The life around you, the sunlight, the insects, the pollen in the air, the splashing on the water, birds overhead, the air going through your nose and into your lungs, 
everything is in balance. And so you know you're in your natural place. You don't have to think, oh, if I got to a better lake, or if I had a better relationship, or if I was in a different part of the world with different people, experiencing some kind of, I guess, um, fake fantasy. Because when you're on the water, what's gonna happen next is not a fantasy. It's an exciting reality. You don't ever think you wanna be in another place. In fact, you can't wait to get back there over and over and over again. On the water, you have a natural blend. It helps you understand and live in discovery. The water and your soul, be, they bond. The water and your soul bond in a truth that creates trust, confidence in yourself, and a level of happiness that will last forever. It never leaves you. Fishing, being on the water, experiencing this earth we have, it never leaves you. It's not gonna have a reason to feel that you're not right or out of place. It's an existence that's beyond manipulation, craving, contriving, demanding. It's a place that's natural. You know it, and I know it. Bots in the back too. Good fight. As I stood at the tanks getting ready to weigh in my fish, I had two, like I said, I did not get a third. We just spent too much time down south. Uh, and um, Steve's a good fisherman. He hammered out a good limit. He really did, and it was tough fishing. And I want to thank you, Steve, for taking me out there. Even though you, you backboated me quite a bit and uh, made me fish extra hard that day, uh, I still had a great day. Steve Lund is a tremendous individual and uh, I would fish with him any other time. I mean, he's just, he's just a great guy. He's fun, positive, nothing gets him down. Just like a Marine, uh, there is no stopping this guy. Um, so we get in there and I'm looking at the weigh-in and I can see that there's one other guy that's close to me and he has four fish. And you know, I'm thinking, okay, well maybe he's close. He's gonna have to have about, I guess, gonna have to have you know 11 pounds or better which he could he could have 12 pounds in there. and so as we get up to the weigh-in um, he weighs in uh, about eight and a half pounds I go up to weigh in I weigh in five almost six pounds that puts me in the top of the Northwest Division and that qualifies me ladies and gentlemen for the BFL All-American on Douglas Lake or Lake Douglas. In the Northwest Division from Montana. That went in the right hand, done it for him. I have no idea if there's any more Northwest Coingers back there or not, but if not, you are fishing tomorrow. We'll find out shortly. 
So I was very excited uh, not only to um, uh, qualify, to win my division, but to qualify for the All-American. It's just, and then to be able to put together more media. I'm going to continue to take this podcast and the media, package that together at the All-American and get in more of these guys. I still have the opportunity to roll out a lot more podcasts and footage from this event, but I wanted this podcast to kind of tie in quickly with the outcomes from the tournament. And after day two, we knew it was going to go on. Um, I'm going to talk about day three and Michael Dean. He is from Savannah, Georgia. Michael Dean, uh, I drew him on day three for the final day, which we went out there and we were fishing for, I mean, pretty good paychecks. The non-boaters were fishing for a $20,000 paycheck. Um, and uh, there was only six of us left, so it was pretty good odds. Anybody could win it. And uh, um, a, uh, the Louisiana fisherman, uh, he won it, and I'll, and I'll get his name too for day three when we talk about Michael Dean. Um, another competitor who was successful in the Northwest Division was the boater, Jason Crone. So I want to congratulate Jason Crone for putting on a tremendous show out there. Uh, Jason Crone won this thing and I'm going to talk to, uh, we're going to have the next podcast, we're going to have Jason talk about how he put this tournament together because once I had the opportunity to hear his story, I was truly impressed, not just with uh, how he won his division at this tournament and got a chance to go on to the BFL All-American, which he will be fishing with me in Tennessee at the first week of June. Um, he did some pretty impressive things at this tournament that made me a Jason Crone believer. If y'all are in any league and he's coming after you, you better be prepared. But when it comes to fishing a series um, like MLF, uh, Bass, FLW, TBF, anything, it, guys have got to be able to fish very consistently and at a level that Jason Crone has achieved. So I'm looking forward to see how Jason does at the All-American and we'll talk about that. Plus I'll be able to get him on a podcast. The next podcast is going to be him talking about that and, 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 and showing us a uh, little inside story in Jason Crone, which a lot of you have never heard before. I know he's a mystery to a lot of you guys. In fact, I bet a lot of you guys think that when you see Jason on the water, you're like, I just hope I don't have to fish near that guy because he looks like he could kick your ass, which which he could. <laughs> he literally could. In fact, he was a state like rest like state competitive level wrestler when he was in high school. So yeah, you would have no chance against this guy. <laughs> but don't worry, he's on a boat. Uh, and so we're going to talk about uh, his success and the ride back and uh, get a little more into this after uh, this podcast. So I want to thank you guys for taking the time to listen to this podcast and or to watch it on uh, YouTube. I think the best way to be honest with you guys is if, if is to watch this thing on YouTube because I put in a lot of footage in here. I mean, you can listen to me talk if you want. Uh, that's fine. Uh, but uh, 
there's a lot of things that uh, you just would you, you can really see what I'm trying to describe and I realized that very quickly that by creating the video um, dimensions over the top of what I'm talking about it just allows us to kind of put that story together and give us the ability that helps I think everybody whether you're a fisherman or a non-fisherman or anybody to hear our stories so you know and I and I thank you guys for understanding you know part of this podcast and this vlog is not just about talking about catching fish if you want to just watch people catch fish um uh, which I do sometimes. I mean, I go on YouTube and a lot of times I just want to watch tactical bassing. I'm like, get that camera underwater. I want to see those fish underwater, you know, and, and those guys do a great job at that. Um, but in the movie I'm making, I'm going to do my best to try and allow people to understand or I'm attempting to describe, which a lot of times I have explained is the undescribable. There is something beyond the mind, your thoughts, your local person experience that is powerful. We're pushing away what has happened naturally. We are fighting our balance. We are losing our opportunity. But if you pay attention, that opportunity may come up again. And maybe this time, this time was just a lesson. So I want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. And those of you guys who listened this far, I mean, you guys... You guys are the truth. You're amazing. People that will look beyond your own beliefs and ideas and concepts and thoughts and mind and see the visions of this beautiful place we live in called Earth. Could be heaven. I know you don't think so, but it might be. <laughs> On the next podcast, we are going to hear from Jason Crone, a all-American qualifier. He'll be fishing for $100,000 at the BFL All-American against 50 guys. And I'm telling you, man, the odds are good. Uh, he is at that place. I mean, he can, like I said, there is no tournament on in this country that Jason Crone cannot show up at and compete. In the sweet despair I find something true so it will be very, very interesting to see what he does when he gets out to Tennessee. It's going to be the first week of June. Um, I've been out to Knoxville, Tennessee. I can't tell you guys how exciting and amazing it is to qualify and fish in the BFL All-American. So we're going to see what happens. But I'll have some podcasts out before then. Then we get to the film. We get to the All-American. And then we get to making this film. 
So y'all will get a chance to see that. And once, like I said, I appreciate you guys listening to me and uh, have a great, great evening, morning, day, afternoon. I want to thank you. Fish hard. Fish very, very hard. Peace.